Patrick Mahomes approaches more eye-popping NFL records. Rasheed Rice is setting Chiefs rookie records. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire steps up. Andy Reid and Bill Belichick make some history on Sunday. And a number of other Chiefs players earned their flowers. The Chiefs beat the Patriots on Sunday. And the Chiefs won. And at this point, that's all that really matters. That's enough. I'm BJ Kissel, and this is 10 Things to Know. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of 10 Things. Appreciate everybody for hanging out at BJ Kissel. Doing this show solo as Haley Lewis is off doing big things, covering national championship games and such. So you're stuck with me in the live edition of 10 things to know so please send your comments your questions obviously hit the like and subscribe button if you're watching on youtube make sure follow us on all your favorite platforms tell your friends about us but we appreciate you for spending part of your monday morning with us and before we get started with this show also want to send a thank you to mission taco joint for sponsoring this show and for sponsoring the kcsn foundation with our feed it forward program we'll actually be at hope faith ministries the homeless shelter in downtown kansas city tomorrow serving tacos with our friends from mission taco and they now have three locations in Kansas City, including their new one out in Leewood at Park Place. You can also get 10% off your order every Tuesday by mentioning KCSN at all three Kansas City locations. And you can also join us at the Crossroads location on Wednesday night from 6 to 10 p.m. along with our friends from Holiday Distillery for a party with giveaways, special raffle, all kinds of fun prizes. It does include a Travis Kelsey jersey and all of the money raised is going to a good cause as a percentage of the sales for the night, plus all the money raised from the raffle is going to benefit Braden's Hope. Braden's Hope is all about raising awareness and funding for childhood cancer research. 47 children are diagnosed with cancer every single day. Cancer remains the leading cause of death by disease among children under the age of 18. Only four new cancer drugs have been developed for children since 1980. That's their why. So if you're looking... If you're free on Wednesday and looking for something to do anytime between 6 and 10 p.m., come by and join us. I'll be there all night, along with my family of lots of other people from KCSN. Tucker may even chug a seltzer if you drop by. We're having some fun for a great cause. So we appreciate not only Mission Taco Joint, but Holiday Distillery in Braden's Hope for allowing us to help support their program and all the great work that they're doing. So um, hope to see you all on Wednesday. Now, let's get into the 10 things. A lot of this stuff, either from social media, um, all the different analytics platforms that cover the NFL, and also from the Chiefs Communications Department, their game notes. So we appreciate all of those people for doing such great work. And again, appreciate everybody for hanging out on this Monday morning. Please send us your questions, your thoughts, uh, whatever you want us to describe. I want this to be an interactive type show for anybody watching live. Uh, and then obviously more content for people listening into the podcast or watching the video after the fact. Um, I personally had to, I rewatched the game, uh, this morning on Monday, I was at my son's basketball tournament yesterday, trying to, to catch as much as I could, um, on my phone while watching the game without sound. So went back and watched it today and, uh, have some thoughts that'll mix in here as well. But, um, number one, Andy Reid and B Bill Belichick made NFL history as Andy Reid, Patriots head coach, Bill Belichick are the only two coaches in NFL history to have their teams meet when the coaches have a combined 500 or more regular season victories and each of them having at least 200 wins in their careers. 
Entering Sunday's game, the pair had combined for 556 total regular season victories, with Reed owning 255 career regular season wins and Belichick owning 301 victories. The next closest pair is Don Shula and Tom Landry, who had a combined 496 total regular season wins when they met back in November of 1987. So pretty special to have the two most wins by head coaches to face off uh, in a game. Obviously, Bill Belichick and the Patriots struggling this season. A lot of rumors about what's going to happen with Bill Belichick at the end of the season. You don't know how substantiated those are. Uh, I listen to guys like Julian Edelman and Rob Gronkowski when they come out and say they don't believe it's a done deal yet. If anybody is going to be clued in uh, on a very secretive organization and what they're going to do, I wouldn't trust the media as much as I would trust uh, former players who obviously have ties and have strong relationships with those guys. But either way, um, even as a rival and even somebody that didn't like watching the Patriots win all the time, Bill Bel- Belichick has earned the right to kind of make his own way after 17 division titles with seven Super Bowls and, and all the success that they had, or six Super Bowls, all the success that they had. But um, continuing, Reed and Belichick are the third pair of coaches to face off against each other. When each owns 200 or more regular season wins, and Sunday's game marked the 10th meeting between coaches with 200 or more regular season wins in NFL history. It's the third time that Reed and Belichick have met when each of them had at least 200 or more victories. That first one back in, or last one back in December of 2019, and then also in October of 2020. Um, early only Curly Lambeau and George Hallis have faced off against each other more times when both coaches had 200 or more wins, meeting five times total between 1950 and 1953. I'm going to shout out the Chiefs Communicator. They really did their research uh, on this one. There's a lot of information uh, for a lot of people watching this on YouTube that have no idea uh, a lot of these coaches that I'm probably talking about. But um, pretty special. I have two of the all-time greatest coaches, two first battle, two first ballot Hall of Fame coaches uh, meeting at this point in the season in the NFL. It's pretty special. All right, number two, Patrick Mahomes surpasses Peyton Manning. In just his seventh season in the NFL, but only his sixth season as a starter, as much as, side note, I'm talking to Tucker, as much as I like appreciate that he that Patrick Mahomes got that start against Denver his rookie year, uh, we all got to witness him coming in, making all the crazy plays, coming out, coming back in uh, in that game. I can honestly say that it would be a lot easier when reading a lot of these stats if they hadn't have done that. Because you talk about his rookie year and how many seasons he's been in the NFL knowing he did make a start as a rookie, but that didn't really count when you're talking about a lot of this stuff. So there's always a disclaimer uh, that it's only his sixth season as a full-time starter. But I digress. Patrick Mahomes now owns the second most touchdown passes in a quarterback's first seven seasons with 217, passing Peyton Manning, who had 216 in 112 games. I know that a lot of, we talk about the season and the receivers and all that stuff, but these stats are still contextualizing the greatness that we've been watching since Patrick Mahomes has entered the league. Uh, It's still special, and I enjoy uh, learning and reading through a lot of these things. Uh, With just 94 games under his belt, Mahomes' 217 touchdown passes ties him with Dan Marino for the most touchdown passes in a player's first 100 games. So Patrick Mahomes has six more games to throw at least one touchdown pass to, to break that record. It's always Dan Marino when we talk about these pacing type things. Mahomes has had two touchdown passes. Mahomes had two touchdown passes on Sunday, an eight-yard pass to Jarek McKinnon, and then a six-yard pass to Clyde Edwards-Elaire. Mahomes finished the day 20... 20- 
with 305 passing yards, bringing his career total to 27,944 yards, earning him the third most passing yards in a player's first seven seasons. He finished the day with 27 completions. And again, the 305 yards and two touchdowns. So to recap, Patrick Mahomes uh, actually needs three touchdowns uh, to tie Dan Marino for the most touchdown passes in a player's first seven years. And he has nine games to do it. I like his chances, Tucker. He needs at least four to break the record. Four touchdown passes in his next nine games. Yeah, that's pretty good chances. I like it. He's just been slinging it. And then he's tied for the most touchdown passes in a player's first hundred games. That's the the difference there. Uh, it's important to to note that. It's really impressive. He's going to break everything. He's yeah. going to break all the records. He is the standard. Yes, and most passing yards in the first seven years in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes trails only Matt Ryan and Peyton Manning. Matt Ryan, his first seven years in the NFL, played 110 games. Peyton Manning, 112. And Patrick Mahomes, doing some quick math, is about 1,498 yards shy of Peyton Manning uh, for the most passing yards in his first seven seasons. And he has 18 games uh, shy. So the whole season to throw 1,500 yards, 1,498 to be exact. I impressed you with that math, didn't I, Tucker? Yeah, I wasn't going to be able to do that. That was pretty impressive. But just got to say it quick. And staying on the Patrick Mahomes, just a couple of notes I had from this game. Uh, the most important pass I thought in the game uh, when rewatching it, the third and eight pass to Justin Watson on the little corner, little seven route, whatever they call that. Uh, they were down 10-7. It was in the second quarter. It was right after Juwan Taylor's false start where Travis Kelsey looked to the sky and, and said or thought something really positive, uh, I'm assuming, about that. But went from third and three to third and eight. Felt like there could be a little momentum. The Chiefs were trailing at the time. And it was just one of those, uh, like, here we go again. And instead, offensive line does a good job, gives him time for that route to develop and throws an absolute dot uh, to Justin Watson. And then on that same drive, one of the other things that stood out to me, third and one, a lot of times Andy Reid will, well, I don't want to say get cute because the plays work and they're fun, uh, but try to do something a little different and more trick or confuse the defense rather than just line up and run over them. And on third and one play, they went right behind Wanya Morris. They went right behind the rookie with Clyde Edwards Elaire. And if you remember watching the play, if he stands out to you as you're watching, he kind of got stood up at the line. There was a kind of a wall there when he first made contact, like he thought he might not get there. Then as the play continues to develop, Wanya 64 just drives his dude backwards and then basically hip tossed him to the ground, ended up getting a pancake on the on the play. But not only was it great to see what we all kind of clam for clamor for whenever the third and shorts cute plays don't work. It's like just run the ball. And then when they do it, it's nice to see them get some success, especially running behind their rookie. So um that those two things stood out to me as kind of the bigger just moments in the game or things that stood out. Uh, especially that third and eight pass to Watson because there was every reason just to be like, here we go again. Taylor false start. Next guy's going to drop the ball. Like, this is, this is, here we go again. But that didn't happen. And Tucker, feel free to chime in anytime. And again, if you're watching, please hit the like and subscribe. And please let us know your comments. We'll bring them up. We'll react to them if you have any questions or comments about any of this stuff. I, uh, I actually, I asked uh, in the chat about uh, what people's favorite moment was from the Chiefs and the Patri- Patriots. Yep. I'm uh, going to shout out Kyle Cook because he said CEH climbing the ladder. Yep. That We're going to get there. That was a good one. Trust me, we'll get there with Clyde um, because that was a, 
big time performance. Then he went over 100 yards. He had 101 total yards in scrimmage. Yeah. Um, couple chunk plays. Uh, ran away from some dudes and did some really good job just with his balance, contact balance. Something that he hadn't been known for coming out. I know that a lot of people have opinions on Clyde and where he got drafted and what his careers look like, but yeah. uh, Clyde's done nothing but work his tail off and be ready when the time comes. Um, it's not his fault where he got drafted, and I feel like Absolutely. he's going to be one of those dudes, and you need guys to step up. And we've seen it a couple of different times throughout his career when he's needed to be called upon to step up. He's done that. Um, so, all right, number three, other running back stepped up. Jarek McKinnon threw the first touchdown pass of his career, Tucker. It's a four-yard pass to rookie wide receiver Rasheed Rice. In the first quarter of Sunday's win, his pass to the end zone put the Chiefs up 7-0 and route to their 27-17 win. McKinnon also has four receiving and one rushing touchdown this season. With his touchdown pass, McKinnon became just one of seven Chiefs players to record a touchdown pass, a rushing touchdown, and a receiving touchdown in franchise history. There's a stat for you. He joins Marcus Allen, Larry Johnson, Curtis McClinton, Mike Garrett, Tyler Thigpen, there it is, shout out Thigbone, uh, and Burke Cohn. I'm going to be honest, and I'm sorry if he's watching. I have I have no idea how old he is, but I've never heard of Burt Cohn until this moment. Um, so, shout out Burt Cohn. I have a note on that. On Burt Cohn? Well, no, not on Burt Cohn, but of the uh, the Rasheed Rice pass okay. and like the, the McKinnon touchdown pass. Is it the record-breaking one where he said they knew? Yeah. I was going to save that story for later, but you know what? No, I didn't hear it. No, 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 it's good. No, you can't tease it like that. People are going to wonder what it is. You don't want to make them upset. Well, James Palmer did tweet this out. Yep. Uh, Rasheed Rice said that every single time they practiced that trick play, McKinnon touched. He's talking about the McKinnon touchdown pass to him. They handed it off every single time. But the two talked before the play because McKinnon knew Rice needed a touchdown for the rookie record. So the two decided before the snap that it would be a pass. And uh, look at that. The savvy vet move there. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this too on that play. Patrick Mahomes wouldn't chase down the ball as well uh, after Rasheed Rice threw it. So they all, so yeah, they all knew. They knew. Yeah, they knew going into it. Shout out to everybody for being on the same page. I don't care what they're communicating. They're all working together. Right. It's good stuff. That's it from the replacements. It's like they're doing something together right. out there. Uh, moving the huddle around. All right. And I apologize to Burt Cohen and his family. That was that was rude. But I hadn't heard that before. It caught my eye. So, all right. And just a quarter later, McKinnon hauled in an eight-yard touchdown pass from Patrick Mahomes. Funny thing about that, he was wide open. You know who was more open on that play? It was Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Yeah. Like eight yards of separation. Yeah. Uh, at least by the time he caught the ball. Who knows when he actually released it. But anyway, uh, touchdown reception put the Chiefs up 14-10 to 10 with under a minute to play in the first half. You did see the stat during the broadcast that the Chiefs like lead the league in scoring at the end of the first half. Um, the two-minute drills are scoring at the end of the first half, so that's positive for the Chiefs' offense. McKinnon became one of three players in Chiefs' history to record a passing touchdown and receiving touchdown in the same game. Curtis McClinton and Tyler Thigpen back on... Uh, Curtis McClinton was September 7th, 1963. And Tyler Thigpen was November 2nd, 2008. McKinnon's touchdown reception marked his fourth... <clears throat> excuse me, fourth of the season to go with run rushing touchdown on the year. You know, it's 20 receiving and 14 career rushing touchdowns. McKinnon had a well-rounded day with three receptions from 18 yards and a touchdown, one for one through the air with four yards and a touchdown and four rushes for 11 yards. Doc, you heard me talking about it before that as the passing game struggled, this really surprised me that McKinnon didn't get more involved. But I can tell you, because I think it's a second time, either it's an iteration of the same kind of play, the formation may have been different. I'm really enjoying the 
Cav- the Travis Kelly. It's almost like the leak route concept, but the screen, mm. the big chunk play to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire where everyone, Rasheed Rice, all the defense went with Rasheed and Kelsey to the left. They throw the, the screen back to the right, and Trey Smith is just on his horse. Like, I... He didn't end up, like, making contact or, like, finding somebody, but that dude was moving. I can't imagine being a DB and seeing Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey, and I think it was Joe Tooney with 25 yards to get their momentum going. Like, I just, yeah, get out of the way. But huge chunk play. Yeah. Uh, shout out to them. But, yeah, I've been surprised that we haven't seen more from uh, Jarek McKinnon in the passing game as things have struggled. Well, here's a comment here from uh, Go for KC Forever. McKinnon back to cooking at the end of the season. That's what Kenneth said that they were saving him. He's gotten older. Jared yeah. has been around a while. Um, but yeah. Still with the injuries in his career too. He's had I mean yeah. he had that double ACL tear uh for that one year he set out for two years and you know, he's dealing with a groin issue he had to set out a couple weeks with. But yeah, finally getting healthy, you just gotta kinda save him and he's been he's been a very key part of this team for yeah. two years. Absolutely. Like nine touchdowns last year. He he had more touchdown yeah. catches than Jeff, Justin Jefferson did last year. That's crazy. Think about that one. That's crazy. All right. Let's go to Rasheed Rice. Speaking of touchdown catches. Oh, yeah. Rookie wide receiver Rasheed Rice hiding, hauled in a four-yard touchdown reception from McKinnon. We just got done talking about. Rice has now scored in back-to-back games and has seven touchdown receptions on the season, giving him the most touchdown receptions in a rookie season in franchise history. Rice hauled in a 20-yard catch from Mahomes late in the second quarter for his 62nd reception on the year passing wide receiver Tyree Kill for the second most receptions in franchise history in a player's rookie season. End of the day with nine receptions, now has 68 catches on the season, three shy of passing Dwayne Bowe for the rookie franchise record. That'll be another ball that they save for hopefully the next game, gets at least four catches to break that record. But Rice told him 91-yard receiving on the day on nine catches, bringing his season total to 754 yards. His 754 receiving yards ranked third for a rookie receiving yards in Chiefs franchise history. Completed this day, like we said, nine for 91 and a touchdown. And this stat is courtesy of a good buddy and senior team reporter for the Kansas City Chiefs, Mr. Matt McMullen. And McNugget from Matt. McDonald's really should get that. That's a good layout. To get Matt's McNuggets set up because this guy is all over the stats. But Rasheed Rice since week 12, again, according to Matt McMullen, 32 catches, second among all NFL players. 334 receiving yards, fourth among all players. Not rookies, players. Three touchdown catches, fifth among all players. So pretty special, and no Chiefs rookie has ever had 1,000 yards receiving. He's 246 yards shy of that with four games to go. So if he keeps this pace up, he will be the first Chiefs rookie to ever have 1,000 yards at a time in which they absolutely needed somebody to step up. And Rasheed Rice has been all over it. All right, let's move on to number five, Clyde Edwards-Elair. It shouldn't have waited this long to get to Clyde, but got to get some of those other Andy Reid, Belichick, the Mahomes, all-time type stats. Got to get those out of the way. But Clyde Edwards-Elair had a leaping six-yard touchdown reception, getting up over Jelani Tave. Tave? I don't know. Talker Stone hands up like he has no idea. I apologize to him and his family not knowing how to the Patriots linebacker. To put up the Chiefs 24-10 with 9-22 remaining in the third quarter. This reception marked his first touchdown reception of the season and the 12th of his career. Edwards Hilaire also had one rushing end zone trip this season, bringing his career rushing touchdown count to seven. 
Early in the matchup, he helped the Chiefs get out to an early 7-0 lead when he broke loose for a 48-yard gain on a pass from Patrick Mahomes. And what we were just talking about with that screen pass where that is a play that I am guessing we will continue to see or better than that, Tucker, because you know there's iterations of this. I had one former Chiefs player tell me on the little like screens that they do to Kelsey, some of those like inside screens and they fake the guys going every which way, that there were like 16 different iterations of that screen. And they've only, at that time, this was years ago, but they had only shown like five of them publicly. So like not even a third of the iterations of the half. So I bring that up, say that's the second time we've seen a very similar looking screen. There are going to be counters to that play that we will probably see before we see that one directly again. And I'm guessing it's going to work because the teams are going to be like, oh, we've got this scouted. We know what's coming. And then it's, booyah, back the other way. So, all right, let's continue. Sorry about that. Yeah. So the Chiefs offense converted uh, the 48-yard gain into points just two plays later with the four-yard pass from McKinnon to Rasheed Rice. Edward Zeller's 48-yard reception sets a new receiving long for the fourth-year running back. He finished Sunday's matchup with four receptions for 64 yards and a touchdown to add to his 37 rushing yards on 13 attempts. A little surprised on that. Must have had quite a few runs that didn't go anywhere because he had a couple of chunk runs, it seemed like. Um, But either way, over 100, it was 101 yards uh, from scrimmage from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with Isaiah Pacheco being out. Uh, I think Andy Reid said to the media that he had a clean up on his shoulder, but he expected him to be back after this week. Yep. Uh, so Clyde steps up, Jarek McKinnon steps up. Uh, it was great to see from those guys. And again, it is great to see all of you hanging out on this Monday morning with us for this special live episode of 10 things. We might do be doing these live going forward. Um, a little fun. We don't really edit them anyway. So we just kind of record and then post. Uh, so it's always fun to have a little interaction. So please continue to Shoot over your questions and comments, and we'll react to those here on the show as Tucker brings them up. But right now, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? This is Tucker Franklin from KC Sports Network. Thank you for listening to today's show. Make sure to follow us and subscribe for more Chiefs content wherever you get your podcast. If you want to support us further, you can shop the latest collection of KC Sports Network merch in partnership with Sandlot Goods. You can find hats, shirts, hoodies, and more at sandlotgoods.com. You can click the link in the description for more information. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, welcome back to 10 Things to Know here on KC Sports Network. I'm BJ Kissel. Hanging out solo as Haley is busy traveling, coming back from calling the NAIA National Championship football game. So shout out to her being a really big deal to a lot of cool things. But Haley will be back next week, don't you? Um, all right. Let's move on to number six, Tucker. And uh, it was nice to see Drew Tranquil back on the field. As early in the second quarter, Tranquil took down Patriots quarterback Bailey Zappi for a seven-yard sack. Tranquil now leads Chiefs linebackers with four and a half sacks on the year. and has 11 in his career. He ended the day with two tackles, a quarterback pressure, and a tackle for loss. Uh, I specifically remember that. I don't think he t- played a ton of snaps. Um, I saw some stuff this morning that um, he actually had less snaps than Leo Chanel. Um, as he's working his way back, obviously missing the last game with that concussion that was pretty scary at the time. So I don't know if it was by design, by, you know, just personnel groupings, whatever the reason for it was. Um, but that sack that he had, I'm not sure there's another linebacker on the Chiefs roster that athletically could have made that same kind of play. Because he came up and did that, I joke with uh, Bobby Stroop on Twitter all the time, because it was a perfect example of like the running in semicircles. You see that like training, uh, thing that people do where they just athletically the ankle flexion and running around like that was a perfect example of athletic fluidity is what I always called that because I didn't know another way to describe it uh, where players can run athletically uh, at different angles uh, instead of straight line uh, here and there but a uh, great play there from Drew Tranquil it was great to see him back out on the field um, and make some plays we saw Chief linebackers make several plays it was Willie Gay um, yeah we'll get to Willie Gay here in a second you feel like you want yeah I had a I had a note. I, I thought I saw that he... They must have went back and changed the sack. Uh, because I think they gave Tranquil a full and they gave him a half. And they, I think because... Uh, no, they split it. Okay. So, the from Chiefs Communications about him. Uh, I think he had single season high of five sacks is what um, Tranquil had last year. Remember coming in when we signed... Uh, when the Chiefs signed Drew Tranquil, we talked about, hey, he's coming off a season high of sacks. Okay. Now he's right there. Uh, at that at that season high, and he's uh, had some really high production. I was looking at the snap counts. He looks like he had 20 snaps yesterday. But mm. the Patriots' offense only ran 53. So it's not like they ran a whole lot of snaps. Um, Compared to the other linebackers. Yeah, I think Leo Snell had 19. So like they were right around the same ones. Right. Uh, let me pull that up. But uh, he, he was really game, Nick Bolton had significantly more. Yes. Like, he was still a third guy. Yes, they were. Um, pull that up here again real quick. Yeah. Uh, Nick Bolton had 43 snaps uh, in, the, in the game. But then looking uh, at the other linebackers, Willie Gay had 30. Uh, Drew Tranquil had 20. Leo Chanel, 19. And it looks like that those were all the linebackers that got snaps. Yes. Yeah. Like I said, it can be a formation, personnel grouping type thing. And they, uh, that'll be for the lab, only weird games, the defensive breakdown. They talk make sure about to, that a little bit. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. We've got Derek Johnson and Mike DeVito, Craig Stout coming on, breaking down the defense. Chase Daniel and Matt Hamilton breaking down the offense each week. A lot of cool content uh, here on the KC Sports Network YouTube page, if that's where you're watching. But, um, yeah, those those film nerds will break it all down. <laughs> the rest of us will just kind of throw the numbers out there. And as the week progresses, you'll get more and more in-depth information about why um, these things are going on. But um, another good one here at number seven, Charles Aminahu. With 3.03 left to play in the third quarter, Menu sacked Patriots quarterback Bailey Zappi for a seven-yard loss, forcing the Patriots to punt just two plays later. 
His sack marked three consecutive games with one sack and ties his career high in sacks with four and a half so far this season. Omene was active in the backfield with two tackles and two quarterback pressures and a forced fumble. Pretty impressive that uh, he has a career high in sacks with four left to go and he missed the first six when he was suspended. So I, I have said it multiple times and I will continue to say it that I, Charles Minnie was who I thought was going to be the most impactful player they added this offseason because of athletically what he can do, playing around Chris Jones, the stunts, the twists, whether he's playing inside, whether he's playing outside. And this one was impressive because that sack came from the outside. Either the double double hand swipe, is there a better, is there a more technical term for it, Tucker? Um, I think the vernacular varies on what you want to call it. I'll call it double hand swipe until Duke Manyweather tells me I'm an idiot and call it something else. That's fine. So that's uh, Duke. So shout out Duke, the offensive O-line mastermind stuff. You got a new app out. So if you really like offensive it, yeah. line, uh, you got it? Mm-hmm. Nice. It's really good. Nice. If you really like offensive line player, just want to know how guys train and all kinds of like the best information you can find, uh, go download Duke's app. All right. Shout out Charles Amenu for stepping up. All right, Willie Gay. Willie Gay brought the Patriots' first drive of the second half to a quick end with a with his first interception of the season. Gay picked off a pass from Bailey Zappi, returning it 24 yards to New England's seven-yard line, setting up a Chiefs touchdown just two plays later. It was Gay's fourth interception of his career. He added two tackles and a pass defensed uh, in the Chiefs' 27-17 victory. Tucker, I've said this before that, you know, we were talking on the phone last night after the game that mm-hmm. that interception, which is Great on Willie to catch it. Just a horrendous throw-in decision uh, from Bailey Zappi, if we're being honest. But that play, and then the the strange call on the Skymore fumble that I don't understand. Yeah. That she's benefited in both those. So I felt like those were the two kind of turning point type plays that if either one of those go the other way, we might be talking differently about this game, or at least may have sweated it out a little bit more than we had. Uh, but again, you talk about margin of error. From all the plays we've talked about, you can talk five or six plays that made the difference in this game. Absolutely. Uh, you look at the uh, Willie Gay interception. I had tweeted out for like at ten thirty in the morning that I thought the Chiefs defense was going to get a defensive touchdown. Willie Gay was so close. If he would have cut back inside, I think he would have got it, but he just ran out of bounds. Uh, but the yeah. team could have used those points. Playoffs. Great, great play by Willie Gay. He was just in the hip the whole time, and it wasn't a great throw, right? But, you know, he caught it. You still got to catch the ball when it's thrown at your chest. We've seen several, this year we've seen several people not catch the ball when it's thrown at the chest. He finished it out, finished the play. I uh, thought he played really well, uh, flying around out there, getting the interception and everything. Almost had another interception with Jerry Sneed, but uh, yeah. All right. I, I got a fun note about Bailey Zapp, but we can wait till the end about it. We'll do the next two are pretty quick, yep. uh, and then we'll bring, take on any questions or anything just, from the yep. folks watching uh, out and about. All right. This one is another Mahomes stat. This via the via NFL communications in the email that they sent out. Thank you, John. Good to see you too, sir. I can't. I saw your avatar. See you. That'd be weird. Um, but Patrick Mahomes currently in his seventh season, six as a starter. Got to add that in there every time. Has forty-five career games with at least three hundred passing yards. And for those keeping score at home, I think we said he's played in what ninety-four career games. He has 45 career games, at least 300 yards passing. That wasn't the stat. But he is now tied with Matt Ryan uh, with the 45 games for the most such 300-yard passing games by a player in his first 10 career seasons. Say that again. Patrick Mahomes, yes, it's his seventh season, only really six as a starter, and he's already tied for the most 300-yard passing games 
in NFL history for a player in their first 10 seasons. So uh, in his next three seasons, according to this stat, or four if we're doing it the way because he only started one game his rookie year, four seasons, he just needs one more 300-yard passing game to have that record. I really like chances there, Doug. That seems like it's a high probability. If you're betting on that one, that's like a minus uh, 1,000 Christian Gumminger comment. Patrick Holmes might be good. Yeah, breaking news. Hashtag analysis. Patrick Holmes, a good football player. All right, and number 10 per our friend Nick Jacobs over there on Twitter, or X. I just, I'm always going to be Twitter. Yeah, so I'm always say you're Xing. I'm, I, tweeting. I've made but, the conscious decision to always call it Twitter. Like, I don't, I'm just not going to change. Maybe that's like a boomer in me a little bit, but like, I'm just like not going to change. 24 years old. Yeah, I know. Five. 25. Excuse me. Yeah. 25 years. All right. Anyway, for Nick Jacobs on the Twitter. <laughs> with the win today, or with the win on Sunday, he was tweeted yesterday, he was on Twitter, Andy Reid has locked in his 11th consecutive winning season for the Chiefs. Yeah. It is his 20th overall winning season in 25 seasons as an NFL head coach. He has had a winning record 80% of the time, that every, 80% of the seasons that he coaches. And that's overcoming quarterback injuries, all kinds of crap, where... He gets it done. All he does is win. He was an offensive line. He was an offensive line coach before he became a head coach, right? Like he wasn't a coordinator. He right. He has never been a coordinator. This is one of those fun things that people forget. Andy Reid was has never been an offensive coordinator. Right. When he was hired, I remember right because I wrote the long form when I worked for the Chiefs on Andy Reid. I wrote like fifteen thousand words. Nothing I'm proud of. Look, I wrote the most detailed, longest thing to this point ever written, ever written about Andy Reid. Um. But at the time he was hired, he was the first coach to be hired. He was the first guy to be hired as a head coach in more than a decade at that time that had never been a coordinator, whether it was special teams like John Harbaugh and never been offensive or defensive coordinator. He went straight from offensive line coach or his tight end coach to offensive line coach to quarterbacks coach straight to the Eagles as head coach. That's insane. So shows the power, A, that Mike Holmgren has to be like, the dude's ready. And how organized that Andy Reid was. He had like um, three ring binders of organizing how he would handle every single situation of like, here's the bye week. Here's with a game on Saturday. Here's what the week looks like. And he's going in like a job interview where you just try to say the right things. He's like, I have this stuff planned out. I've had this planned out for as long as he needed to, to be ready that when his time came, he'd be ready to go. And ever since he came to Kansas City, he has had the team ready to go. 11 straight winning seasons with the Chiefs. And I'll bring that up. I have to get on a high horse or to preach here a little bit, but I know the expectations of what Chiefs fans have come to expect from this team and that offensively not meeting a lot of the standards that, that we have for them, but specifically the standards they have set for themselves, this team is still winning. This team has got a two-game lead in the AFC West division with three to go. They are going to get a home playoff game. Baltimore winning yesterday means they're likely going to end up with the number one seed unless they drop, although everybody's talking about their schedules and what they have to deal with. Chiefs could still very easily play all of their playoff games at home if there's a couple losses uh, by some of those top teams in the AFC. And what we've seen from the AFC is that any given Sunday or Saturday, Thursday, whenever the games are being played now, but uh, the Chiefs, everything they want to accomplish, they can still accomplish. It's just going to look a little different. Uh, and we want to see him playing their best football towards the end of the season. I uh, wish we'd see things like Darius Tony catching the football. Um, Duck and I were talking about this before we recorded. As much as frustrating as it is to talk about Darius Tony, talk about Sky Moore and all those things, 
Chiefs are going to go into the playoffs. They're going to win, and we're all going to be cheering. It's because some of those guys that we've been criticizing all year are going to step up and make plays. Same thing happened last year, thinking that we weren't going to win because Sky Moore couldn't catch a punt, couldn't not do that, or we couldn't make a field goal. We couldn't get the hold right. Whatever the reasons were, they were going to hold us back. They got it done. It's just about getting it done in the moment and maintaining confidence, uh, whether that's making Kadarius Tony a running back at this point, just get the ball in his hands because athletically he's one of those few guys that can make things happen um, and score anytime he gets his hands on the football. That's why they're going to keep putting him out there because athletically the dude is just different than everybody else. But I know we all saw the reaction from Patrick Holmes. Again, a very human type response uh, to that situation. But the alternative, there's nobody else. There's You can't just sign somebody off the street to come in here and make plays. So it's going to be these same guys. It's just about maintaining confidence in them. And as I've said quite a bit, and other people have as well, these guys are always one big good game away from redemption. You get to the playoffs and Marquez Valdez-Gantley goes off for 110 yards like he did in the playoffs last year in a big moment. People are going to forgive and be like, you know what, he stepped up when it mattered. Uh, same thing with Kadarius Tony. He's going to go out, makes a couple big plays, scores some touchdowns in the playoffs, and people will praise him again. That's just the nature of, of what's going on. Um, you could be mad throughout all of it. You could be frustrated during the game, but throughout the week at this point, Nothing we can do about it. Win in advance, survive in advance uh, at this point. Game. Hopefully the Broncos lose and you can wrap it up and make sure nobody gets hurt in that Week 17 game, depending upon what happens with the rest of the AFC. Um, and be ready to go for the playoffs. All right, Tuck, what do you got on little Bailey Zappi? Well, this is a little interesting nugget that I don't think a lot of people know. This is just a little bit of context into who Bailey Zappi is. Uh, did you know, went to Western Kentucky. Uh, he was actually at the East-West Shrine Bowl when we were there. Uh, Bailey Zappi was. I didn't know Tommy DeVito was there either. Yep. Um, so was Aiden O'Connell. Listen, they've got some... <laughs> Brock Purdy and Brock, they've had some. They've had some quarterbacks that have been playing. Uh, Brock Purdy might win the MVP this year, uh, which I, is kind of crazy. Every time I see Aiden O'Donnell, I just think of him in the breakfast buffet, just practicing by himself. It's incredible. And then he ends up in Vegas. Uh, good dude, just does not fit the Raiders at all. No. Again, you did a Derek Carr. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's a good thing. No. Anyway, uh, Bailey Zeppi went to Western Kentucky. He's a hilltopper. Uh, did you know he has the NCAA single-season record in passing yards? 5,967 yards for Western Kentucky in 2021. I always figured he was one of those Hawaii guys, like Colt Brennan. Colt Brennan, uh, so Colt Brennan's in number 11 all-time in career, uh, number 8 in single-season. Wow. And uh, Tommy Chang is number two all time. Uh, Tommy Chang is a head coach right now. Actually, fun fact, he was at SMU, wasn't he? I think so. I, th- I think he was, but he's now the the head coach there. They had a whole lot of turmoil at Hawaii, and he kind of took over and started to steer the ship back. So, uh, yes, he was at SMU as a GA actually, and then went to Nevada for a little bit. All right, pretty good stuff. And uh, shout out uh, the Heartland Thunder uh, eight and under basketball team. Mm. We're coming down with the tournament championship. It's my son's basketball team. And Tucker, I know you're just a few years older than Carter. Um, He's a couple. <laughs> but uh, for anybody who's a parent, like watching your kids go out and like compete in anything and like take what the coaches say and like have it kind of click. They're at that age now where things are starting to click. It's so much fun to watch. But saw my son, saw other kids on our team high-fiving the players on the other teams when they made a good play. And like it's so refreshing to see like just good kids being good kids and parents and like the whole deal. It was just, it was an awesome weekend. I'm uh, just in my feels about being a dad and it was awesome. 
uh, for anybody that's uh, experienced that or is lucky enough to have experienced that before or experienced that in the future, there's nothing like it. Um, absolutely awesome. But all the parents knew that I had the game on my phone. Whenever my son was in, I was watching the basketball game. When he came out or there was a timeout, I'd look down at my phone and I was providing updates for everybody at the old Hilltop um, Recreation Center of Iraq. But shout out the champions, Heartland Thunder. That was fun. I got a, we got one question here I think we should talk about. Uh, Tilly Train says, tell me what you thought about Wanya Morris playing this game. Is he going to keep playing left tackle for the rest of the year? I think he should. I, I, I Without any kind of context or anything about Donovan Smith, this is where it's hard because like, you don't know how healthy or not healthy he is. But Donovan Smith, veteran, got a lot of experience, didn't play great, didn't play awful. But if Wanya Morris, and he's on a one-year deal. So I'd rather learn what we have more with Wanya Morris, get him more experience, get him ready to go. And then if he goes down with some sort of injury, you've got a guy that can step in and be ready to go. There's no point in slowing down the development of a young player. And I know Wally pipped, whatever you want to call it, but there's so many more reasons why it's beneficial to keep Wanya in there and keep Donovan Smith as a veteran to slide in uh, if something should happen or if they have to move guys around. That's, that's my two cents. Uh, it doesn't look like, He's playing that poorly. We'll wait to see the PFF grades, although those oh. have been a little surprising with him yeah. uh, in the past. Like I said, the, the couple times where I made a point to pay attention to Wanya, he's got some grown man strength when he gets his hands on people. Like in the running game, like they mm-hmm. moves bodies. And I've seen a lot of people have uh, taken some of the some of the negatives in his game or in the passing game. Um, he's had to face a couple good pass rushers here. Uh, pretty recently, but I think he's just getting used to the speed of the game is kind of what it's at right now, uh, getting used to it. Imagine going from, like, playing college and sitting on the bench for a lot of the year, then all of a sudden in the middle of the season, you come in. But, like, Mitch Schwartz, Jeff Schwartz, all the all the offensive line guys on Twitter, when they see him, he does give up a sack, but they say that's not really on him. He was That, that was 12 yards deep. Like, Pat was 12 yards deep. Yeah. You can't really chalk that up to him. Uh, but, like, I, you mentioned the run game. The run game is where he has flourished I think and they're running plays right behind him like as a rookie that's really impressive and I like the point that you brought up about Donovan Smith getting him healthy and having him be that swing tackle then in that situation he's only on that one year deal it's one year three million dollars so they're not losing a ton of money by him not playing uh, but yeah I, I think that uh, Wanya Wars has been very encouraged I've been very encouraged uh, by, uh, by Wanya Morris. yeah I agree I concur uh, let us know in the comment section. We'll go for a couple more questions or a couple more minutes in case anybody else got some questions or comments. Um, and while you're hanging out or you're listening to this, please go into whether you're listening to Apple or Spotify and leave a review um, on the podcast uh, network here at KCSN. We know we've got a lot of shows, got a lot of different personalities by design, something for everybody. Um, but you know, most people don't get on the internet to say a bunch of positive things. And we look at the numbers, we see the rankings, we know people are supporting what we have going on. Um, uh, on the mic and off the mic with the foundation stuff, but we appreciate uh, letting other people know about it. Tell a friend about KCSN. All of it helps and it helps us grow and be able to do more cool things, not only content wise, but also in the community. And again, if you've got nothing going on Wednesday night, come join us at the Mission Taco Joint Crossroads location for a little party with our friends from Holiday Distillery. There's the graphic for you. Um, got five, I think, different packages uh, for, I think we have a graphic that we'll post later today on our Twitter account at KC Sports Network, but um, a lot of cool items, both from Holiday and Mission Taco and from KCSN, including a Travis Kelsey jersey. 
um, that you can win. All the money goes towards Braden's Hope uh, doing research and funding uh, for childhood cancer. Uh, so we'll be there. Uh, Tucker will be there. I'll be there. Uh, my fam will be there. I know we've got some other special um, friends from KCSN that will be there on Wednesday night. Again, I think it's 6 to 9 p.m. I should say. I keep saying 6 to 10. 6 to 9 p.m. Uh, come grab uh, a cocktail, some tacos. Come hang out for a great cause and we're going to raise some money and talk a little Chiefs, I'm sure. Oh, we got any other questions or comments we want to bring up, Tuck? Uh, yeah, Christian Gove addresses this question. Should the Chiefs re-sign Snead today? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, man, he's physical. He's fun to watch. Um, I don't know. He's going to get paid. Uh-huh. He's going to get He's going to get a chunk of money, and it's really difficult. This is where I go with everything. It has nothing to do with Snead, but from a contract standpoint, what do you do with Chris Jones? It always goes back to Chris Jones for me and that you don't want to let him walk and get nothing for him uh, from an asset standpoint if you're not going to re-sign Chris. And at this point, it's safe to say that they're not going to reach a long-term agreement. So I think that's where things are headed. He's going to leave. Does that mean they franchise tag and then trade him? But as soon as they franchise tag him, that covers up a lot of the cap. And I don't know all of the details off the top of my head right now about the cap, Duck look it up and look for next year where they are but there's so many moving parts to it that it's hard to know um but maybe have like joel Corey reach out to him and talk to him or another cap expert better cap little cap expert there you go um but they're gonna have to tie up if they're gonna tag and try to trade chris jones maybe for a second or a third round pick i don't think you're gonna get a ton for him um at this point um because other teams know you got to do something and they have to figure out wide receiver and spend some money on veterans there's a lot of good veteran wide receivers who are becoming available they're going to cost 10 to 15 million dollars in guaranteed plus incentives uh we saw last year trying to get odell beckham deandre hopkins all the rumors and reports that they were going after them and then they end up signing for more money likely than they were being offered by the chiefs i think if things are even they would be here as it relates to legerious need that's a tough one i i would love to have him back but he's going to get paid a lot of money and i don't know what that looks like from a Chiefs from a cap standpoint and what they're going to have to be able to to maneuver around as they have to tie up so much with Chris and the franchise tag. Or do you let Chris walk and you tag Snead? I think you could probably get more in trading Legeria Snead if you're the Chiefs than Chris Jones. That's nothing to do with who's a better player. That's to do with leverage. And other teams believing Chris Jones isn't going to reach a long-term deal with Kansas City. Otherwise, he would have done it and he wouldn't have held out and had all the stuff going. So a couple I love, don't get me wrong. I would love for both those guys to be. I'm, I'm pro pay yeah. everybody, but they're going to have some decisions to make this offseason, and I don't want them having to worry so much about Snead and Chris Jones that they don't aggressively over recorrect on the offensive side yeah. uh, and make a big trade or go get a T Higgins or a Mike Evans or Darnell Mooney or Tyler Boyd or any of the other guys. I brought up the Cooper Cup stuff, and then I looked at his contract. I don't know how that would work. Yeah. Um, He's one more year away from his out, and he's got a lot of money on there, but still my pipe dream. Go with that guy. There's a couple of a couple of things I looked up on Spot Track while you were uh, talking about Legarius Need. It looks like their his calculated market value. So this is just an estimate from the from the folks at Spot Track here. About six point eight AV AAV uh, is what they uh, for Sneed for Sneed. Yeah, six million. Uh, a market value of about a, they anticipate a four year twenty seven point four million dollar contract for wow. Legarius Need. Uh, yeah, I, he's... What are the top cornerbacks AAV right now? Um, let me look that. Let's go to... 
Because if that's the deal, I'd pay him now. I don't have the caps. I think they have 2.2 million in cap space right now. But yeah, pay him me. So there's all the contracts clear in the, at the new league. But the other thing I looked up is the 2024 cap. And they have about 30 million right now cap space with the top 51. If they tag Chris Jones, that gobbles up 27 be, million of it or something. Yeah. So I think, I think the tag would be 33 million. So like that would be, that would be a tough thing to do. We're going to go to, well, that's not what I want to do. Top salaries is let's do, how do we want to do this? Average salaries? Like while you're looking that up, the other thing in while you're looking up contracts, I can look up the one too, because we're with Travis Kelsey. This is the last year of his deal because. Or people are talking about it. I, I fully expect and not trying to make a thing, or and I have no reason other than just connecting dots. I think this is Travis Kelsey's last year. I think he's going to retire. Yeah. Only reason that I'm holding out any kind of I don't believe this is because I feel like maybe he would have said something, and that he would have said like, "Hey, I'm done after this year." Uh, maybe he doesn't want to be a distraction. All of those different reasons it has nothing to do with Taylor Swift necessarily. Why I think it, I just think he has nothing left to prove. And I think he wants to go to Hall of Fame with his brother. Because if I were him, I think that would be the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. Um, and we already know this is Jason Kelsey's last year. And for those guys to be both first ballot Hall of Famers to go into the Hall of Fame together, bring Donna and the whole family up there uh, and make it a, a Kelsey Super Bowl or Kelsey Hall of Fame induction ceremony. I might even fly up there for it because that would be such a special thing um, to be able to experience for him and his family and I said he's got nothing. He's already the greatest tight end to ever play. Yeah, all, all kinds of records. Uh, I'm not saying he's slowing down a lot because he could still, still the top option and a threat. Uh, anytime he goes out of the field, commands all the attention uh, from everybody. But he's got nothing left. No, he doesn't. I just looking at his contract. He's got 2024 and 2025 on the books. I'm sure they can get out of that and it would be fine but before he retires yeah. yeah um looking at the top position aav in terms of cornerbacks jair alexander's number one at 21 million but what i was talking about like what 6.4 is what i said for legerious Sneed. that would put him at like uh 35th in the that nfl sense and that maybe hasn't been updated in a while who is it the uh, brad spiegelberger from Pro Football Focus, CFF, yeah, that he's always like pretty dead on when he's projecting contracts. Yeah. I just, well, let me maybe hit him up on social media and say, what do you expect for Legarius Steed? Legarius Steed's going to be higher than the thirty fifth, yeah. or he needs a new agent. They had they had a free agent rankings that they just came out with. PFF did, um, and they've done a bunch of research. They've corroborated them with a bunch of different other contracts just to kind of see um, how they would match up in their projected contracts and everything. So I'll see if I can find Snead on there. All right. While you're doing that, we appreciate everybody for hanging with us towards the end of this show. It's going to be the last point we're going to make, and then we're going to wrap this up. But don't forget, uh, Only Weird Games will be going live, I believe, around 4.30 this afternoon here on Monday. Yeah, that's when they generally do it. And then um, the KC Lab will be going live at 8 p.m. Uh-huh. tonight. Uh, so you get uh, more takes and thoughts on the Chiefs win over the Patriots. No. This skewed towards the positive, didn't spend a lot of time talking about Kadarius Toney and some of the frustrations uh, with the Chiefs offense because they won in most of the, the records and things like that uh, as to how this show is set up isn't against that. And I'm generally pretty optimistic anyway. It takes a lot for me to get pretty negative. And that being said, I will shout out because I've been critical of him and no, he didn't make a ton of plays uh, yesterday. But Marquez Valdez-Gainling, talk about, you know, the coach talked about him doing other things that helped them win. A couple of Rasheed Rice's plays where he picked up some yards after the catch. Marquez Valdez can't like working his tail off blocking downfield. It's not even a lie. I have no reason to want to say anything super positive. 
um, because he hasn't made plays like a guy who's the highest paid player in that room. But um, he's not quitting on them uh, on some of those plays, and he is doing some of the work that goes unnoticed that would end up in a box score. But it's worth shouting out. I found the uh, projection from PFF. For Legereus Need. For Legereus Need. Three-year, $52 million. It's a $17.5 million. A little different than uh, six. Yeah. Million. Yeah. You got Three and a half. So they're, so they're projecting also $35 million total guaranteed in that deal as well from the $52.5 million three-year deal that he would sign. So that's going to be a pretty solid chunk of change. But he would be cheaper than probably a Chris Jones contract would be. Um, but as you mentioned... If you had to keep one, who would you keep? Probably Snead. What's up? But probably just solely based on age, truthfully. Yeah. And you just, that room is already pretty young. And granted, we've been saying that for two years. Eventually, they're going to get older and have right. to get paid, like Trent McDuffie, Jalen right. Watson, Josh Williams, who is surprisingly inactive. Um, That's not the MO, though, of what this Chiefs team has yeah. done, is paying cornerbacks. And I do this is Shamari Connor. Like, what do you, he's another up and coming guy, but it's okay to pay one dude when the rest of them are on rookie deals. But again, it's the composition of the entire group. And if you could make a big trade for a big time bona fide wide receiver, but you lost Legereus Need and Chris Jones, and not that you wouldn't replace them with good players, not like you lose them and then get a practice squad player who's going to come up. They'll go get somebody else. But Snead does a lot of things for you. He's physical and he's a little different than the rest of those dudes. He travels with the top wide receivers. Steve Spagnuolo would be the one who'd be able to tell you how valuable he is and how replaceable he is, not just in how they're using him, but how they could take the group of talent they have without him and put together a defense that can go out and play at a certain level. It's like you add a couple of bona fide number one ride receivers. Is it okay if the defense might not be quite as dominant because then your offense is going to be hopefully closer to what we've come to expect over the past few years. All right. We have any other comments we want to bring up or, questions or anything before we say goodbye to everybody again appreciate all you for hanging out i think we're good to go all right we appreciate everybody for watching live or listening to the podcast afterwards hit that like and subscribe follow us on your favorite uh, platforms and if you are listening to the audio please take a minute um if you enjoy what we're doing and leave us that five-star review on apple Podcasts. drop some notes uh for the folks who are checking it out we appreciate um here with two weeks left that um for the second straight year we have the highest chiefs rated podcast network out there and that is because of your support and we appreciate you appreciate tucker joel all the folks uh, at kcsn who make all of this stuff possible um hope you all have a great holiday last holiday week um for those with kids have probably a couple days of school and then they're out so hopefully you find some time to, to get away and and all that stuff but we appreciate your support hopefully see you wednesday night come say hi if you're there And uh, we'll see you later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.